I know the ripple effect that can happen from just one person. And then that person talks to another person, that person influences another person. And so if we have amazing leadership of different organizations and charities or social projects, you know, whatever it is, then we've got the greatest change of positive change in society and the world. Ahoy there, everyone. Welcome to the Uncomfortable is Okay podcast. I'm your host, as always, Chris Desmond, and this is a show where we make it easier for you to get out of your comfort zone through conversation, community, and challenge. As always, we've got a very special guest for you today. Uh, Her name is Jen Young, or Gen Y. Nice little uh, play on Gen Y slash millennial there. Jen is all about elevating you to your definition of success through mindful results coaching, workplace wellness, and youth leadership development. Now, Jen is a a pretty positive young lady, which will obviously come through in the conversation here. But what we talk about, it isn't all positive in our chat. We go deep on some topics. We talk about death and how our relationship to death changes the our relationship to how we live our life. We talk about finding your purpose. Uh, We have a chat through Jen's eat, pray, love moments. We share some funny stories and we talk through some of the challenges that Jen has faced striking out on her own and some of the challenges that she continues to face and some that she anticipates that she will face. Jen's a pretty insightful young lady, so I'm sure that you guys will get a lot out of this conversation. But before we kick it off, today's episode is brought to you by Uncomfortable Media. And now Uncomfortable Media is the company that I've just started out in order to bring everyone listening to the podcast and kind of interacting with Uncomfortable is okay a little bit more. And one of the things that we're bringing you a little bit more on to start with is the surmount workshop. So that is for people who are a bit stuck at the moment and you might be stuck just kind of in a bit of a rut and not really have any direction, not really have any any goals or any drive, but you know that where you are isn't where you want to be at the moment or you might be a bit stuck and actually think oh hey this is this is cool stuff that I want to do but I can't overcome my discomfort so we're running a workshop on the 13th of October here in Wellington and it's all about setting a strategic direction to help get uncomfortable and then walking you through the steps and the plan and the processes and all the practical tips about how to go from setting that direction to the end point of actually achieving the challenge and the goal that you want to that you want to come out of it at the end point with but the important thing is is that we really dive into how to navigate the challenges give you some practical tools that you can use to overcome some of the obstacles that you're going to run up against so If that sounds like something you might be interested in, head over to surmountcourse.com. That's S-U-R-M-O-U-N-T course.com, surmountcourse.com to find out a bit more information about it and to grab your ticket. With that said, let's get on with the show. Jen Young, or Jen Y, welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Hey, you're so welcome. So excited to be chatting with you. Good, good, good. And uh, we were just talking before how you are turning into a little bit of a podcast regular as well. (laughs) This is your third podcast in as many months. Like maybe the last two or three months. I think I still have chats now with friends where they're like, what is this thing that you're doing? And what are, what are these projects that you're getting involved in? And you're doing photo shoots and you're doing podcasts. I'm like, I think it's just, you know, when you stretch the comfort zone, it becomes the new normal. And I think that that's where I'm at now. It does, it does. So, I mean, sitting down today to do your third podcast recording, how does it compare to doing the first one with, with David? Hey, David, if you're listening. <laughs> Hey, I'm not allowed to have favourites here. I think because I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't ask who was your favourite. Asked well, how I you how you feel one. in in comparison. Oh man, I think 
a lot more relaxed, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing with when you do something for the first time, it's always going to feel that little bit uncomfortable. And I think knowing that that's normal. Now, I guess now that this is like the third time doing a podcast and I've been doing regular video recording and filming for the last six months, I think, I think it just becomes more natural and more comfortable. And that's where I'm at. I feel mm. that feels pretty cool. Yeah, and, and spending the time doing it, you, you kind of... It's like training your body. It's it's training 100%. your mind and training your comfort zone to mm. adapt to be able to have the capacity to go out and do that in a reasonably relaxed manner, I would imagine. <laughs> I mean, this is my, my setup is probably a little bit different to David in that <laughs> he does a lot more production on his. This is a bit more. This is a little bit more relaxed. He's always uh, he always hits me up actually about how much editing I do. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think because I see him working way in the booths at the Biz Dojo, and he has that really focused look going on. And he's like, yeah. I need to keep doing this for a few more hours and mm. doing the editing and figuring out, you know, how to make this a really seamless conversation. And because filming it <laughs> and then hearing the finished product are quite mm. different. Mm. And I'm just excited to see what this turns yeah. out as. Yeah. He is amazing in terms of his oh, work ethic with it. And for those people listening, I'm talking about David Binstead. So mm. you should check out Twice Podcast. It 100%. is great. Great production quality. This one is definitely a little bit more rambly. So sorry to everyone tuning in. Hey, sorry, not sorry. I think that this is a wonderful endeavor. You have to give yourself some credit. I thank you. Thank you, Jen. I I appreciate that. But this is a conversation more about you than it is about podcasting. So can you give me and the listeners a little bit of background about yourself? Like where where was Jen born? Where did she grow up? Were there any kind of formative experiences Mm. when you were younger that have pointed you in this direction or shaped who you are today? Just start low key, yeah. (laughs) Start low key, tell us your whole life story. Oh, love it. (laughs) I just sit here for the next 45 minutes. Oh, man. (laughs) So, this is like a free therapy session in a way where I'm like, just tell me all the things. Hi, everyone. I'm Jen, and it really feels a bit of a privilege to even be talking to the lovely Chris right now. And I guess I start from really humble beginnings. I'm born and bred in Ramaram in the south of Auckland, really rural area. So grew up, you know, mud, animals everywhere, wearing gumboots, getting on the quad and like riding around. And then after finishing primary school, went to high school in Auckland and then went and studied law and art history in Dunedin. So slightly different journey there and a number of different turning points. So... I, growing up in primary school, I had my best friend, who was my older brother, was disabled and had cancer. So he sadly passed away when I was about eight years old in 1999. And I think that that really formative experience has given me a real appreciation of people who do experience a lot of discomfort and a lot of pain and a lot of empathy for that. So to be honest, even to this day, he really still motivates me because... I knew he didn't have the same kind of education or experiences that I've been really fortunate to have. And that kind of perspective really helps me to stay motivated to keep going every single day. And it's also given me a bit of courage since when I graduated from university, my parents were quite encouraging of me either going down a path of law or business and then going into what I really wanted to do later on in life, which was teaching and counselling. I've always wanted to work with people and help people and be volunteering in my spare time. And I went on Outward Bound, which for those who don't know, is a 21-day youth leadership development program. And the experiences of consistently being way outside of my comfort zone, even though I do love regular walks in nature, I love a bit of tramping, it was just the whitewater kayaking, the sailing, the constant exhaustion, working with teams every single day for 21 days where I really came to that realisation that my key part in teams is working with people and encouraging them when they are in those spaces of growth because being in those spaces of discomfort is often where the greatest growth is. So Outward Bound is a really formative experience and rather than going straight into law, I don't think I was telling my parents at that time, I was also applying for roles in HR and leadership development. And I ended up getting my first role in leadership development in Wellington and have been 
in that space of leadership development, learning and development, just everything in that space for about the last three and a bit years. And last year in 2017, the first of March rolled around and a lot of my friends were posting on social media, hey, I'm giving up this for Lent or, you know, I'm not going to be doing that. And I was like, I've already done stuff like that before. I've given up chocolate. I've given up all these things. I'm not particularly religious in any sense, but I wanted to put into practice the stuff that I'd learned in leadership development the last few years about really going outside the comfort zone, putting things into practice and really treating myself a bit like a guinea pig. And I still do this to this day. So I started from the 1st of March to do something every day for 40 days that either I'd never done before, that was outside my comfort zone, or that really scared me totally shitless, like phobia level. And I really credit that challenge to giving me the push, the motivation, and the understanding of myself to really go and do the things that I'd been holding myself back from doing for about two or three years. So during that challenge, I booked a one-way plane ticket to Italy because I'd wanted to go traveling for years. I wanted to do teaching experience. So I ended up doing teaching in summer camps all around Italy. So working with kids and teaching, doing part of the community of Santiago in Spain, almost like a bit of... <laughs> My friend's joke was like a bit of an eat, pray, love thing. So I did actually find like a guy that I really <laughs> ended up falling for a bit in England. And I ended up the whole uh, experience with a few weeks in Bali at the end of it, which is just incredible. And coming back to New Zealand, gosh, must have been about September last year. I basically came back, was like, I know what I want to be doing, not sure how. And so became accredited as a mindfulness educator and started my own business and now it's where I am, where I do youth leadership development through the Rotary Youth Leadership Awards program. I regularly coach people. I'm a sponsored resident at the Biz Dojo, which I feel so, so fortunate to be. And I educate people in mindfulness and, you know, how to cope with discomfort and stress and everything that comes up in day-to-day -day life from my own experiences. So... That's not quite 45 minutes, but I think that'll do no, a good no, starting no. point. It's a, it's a very good starting point. <laughs> Let's unpack that a little bit oh, with you. Oh, I see your thoughtful face. Yeah. Where do we want to start with Where that? Start? Actually, let's let's go right back to Ooh. to the beginning, actually. Oh. And can we can we talk about your brother a wee bit? So I can tell from talking and listening to you mm. here that, that the bond that you had with your brother. And then you mentioned that he's a real motivating factor what you've been doing yeah has that always been the case or is that something that you mm. have had to develop in yourself as well oh, being question. looking at his life mm. and passing like that that's a great question I think honestly I didn't have the same level of appreciation that I do now as I did in like high school years I mm. think it was really when I got into university and I started to do more volunteering with organizations like the Cancer Society and Camp Quality and working with people from all different backgrounds that I really started getting an appreciation of my life is incredibly privileged. Like I'm highly educated. My parents are both still together. I have a decent enough relationship with my family and my younger brother. And I got that really great understanding and awareness of actually not everyone's life is as resourceful as mm. the kind of life that I've had. So I think it was really when I started getting into university and I was realizing, oh my goodness, I'm studying law and I'm studying art history. And, you know, even just having that kind of experience and being able to know, okay, so yeah, I've got like this piece of paper which says I'm highly educated in this and even that opens doors. I think getting that real understanding of different ways of living and different types of people in terms of their background and the education they've had. I think it really came at university and volunteering with different kinds of people. So yeah, I think understanding that has been, it's its a real driver now, knowing that it's one of the top things I write on my list of things I want to remember. It's my life is a privilege. Yeah, yeah. And mm. I think it's an unfortunate situation to have been in and to have gone through but uh, I mean it's an incredible reminder mm. of how lucky you are and I mean how lucky we are and even mm. just living in New Zealand we're incredibly privileged in the in the 100%. scheme of things 
no matter what kind of weather in, in New Zealand that we, that we live. I was just thinking it's those kind of experiences when, when being in the middle of it or I think of things like mental illness or I think of things like real hardship or going through a period of maybe like redundancy or something that can be really challenging in that period of time and how that is looked at after the event whether it's looked at as you know a really defining moment in a negative way as in oh my goodness I'm I hate that this happened to me or if it's looked in a way of you know I'm really glad that I experienced that you know what can I learn from that what can I take from that I think that helps me to really reframe all of like the pretty shitty things that have happened along the way because there have been some pretty Mm. hard shitty things I mean People see, you know, you're doing the work that you love and, you know, you're getting to appear on podcasts and, you know, you get to do, like, you go to these fun events and stuff and I'm like, that's, that's like the cream. That's the <laughs> cream my so- of the cake. That's my social media filter. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I don't show actively, you know, the long hours that I work and I don't show that, you know, sometimes it's darn uncomfortable and it's not always mm. sunshine and rainbows. And I think... Being able to reframe things like my brother's death or being able to reframe like a redundancy they experienced um, a number of years ago and look back at them as learnings and look back at them as experiences that, you know, I'm glad I went through them because it means I can empathize more with others. I think that that really helps me cope more with the uncomfortable things. Mm, yeah. It's a strategy. I completely agree with you there. And I mean, mm. life is full of tough, hard experiences, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from. And everyone everyone goes through them to a greater or lesser extent. And I'm not, I'm not trying to kind of devalue anyone's experience mm. here, but my belief is that a lot of kind of where we end up is how we respond to those those tough experiences and going going yeah. through those uncomfortable situations is that we can we can kind of let them define us in a couple of mm. different ways is that we can let them define us as hey this has happened to me it's horrible I'm I'm kind of trapped here and can't move through it or as you said we can look at it as a as a learning experience mm. or in kind of an opportunity to either kind of change direction or learn some new skills or just grow as a person when you're reframing an experience mm. like what is what does that look like for you mm, great question well i can give you an example from the last few weeks actually Beautiful. i about four weeks ago it seemed to happen all on the same day as these kind of things do where three contracts that I was relying on to go over the line that would give me guaranteed income for the upcoming three weeks and then a relationship that I was having with a guy at the time literally all fell apart on the same day and I was like oh it was painful Mm. like really painful and I think like in the moment I really had to use all of the tips and tricks I've learned through phone counseling and coaching and understanding of how the brain works and mindfulness, you know, really just to keep professional throughout the day because I still had clients to see that day and Mm. I was like, oh my goodness, this has like all happened all at once and I'm really sad that this is happening and I think one of the things which helped me to reframe things in the moment is even just focusing on my breath. Mm -hmm. It might seem really simple but... Knowing that I'm still breathing, that's a big thing. Using the breath to calm myself. It's as simple as the deep breathing tells the brain that you're safe. So it's Mm. using the breath to go from the sympathetic to parasympathetic nervous system. So really telling the body that you're safe and telling the mind that you're safe. So I use that to help me reframe the moment. I have like a list of things um, on the back of my door that I basically, I've seen it every day for the last three years. So it's now like imprinted in my mind of all the things I want to remember. And first one is my life is a privilege. Then it's thank you. Everything works out. So I know that whatever is happening, it's going to work out, even if it feels darn uncomfortable in that moment. And even if I'm like, I wish this was not happening, this is painful. And I think it's almost like a little bit of Buddhist philosophy or something. It's, you know, knowing that these emotions are not permanent. Mm. This sensation is not permanent. From a brain perspective, I think most emotions last about average 14 seconds, if that. So sometimes it's a matter of breathing through it. 
might need mm. to, I might need to go back and yeah, research yeah, yeah. the neuroscience, just th- but I'm pretty sure. Just throwing sure. out some statistics. <laughs> Someone I, might come back to sure. us. It's pretty sure. No, truly, yeah, yeah. it's pretty sure. And I've counted it sometimes where I've been experiencing like a flash of like really intense emotion, like real sadness about something, and I've just really breathed it out. And it's just, I'm sure it's the same thing with the running that you do. You know, you're just like just getting to that top of that hill mm. it's going to be done soon and it's it's true it's like everything is impermanent yeah definitely I think I'm reminded of the quote this too shall pass oh, so and true. that that happens for uncomfortable emotions or mm. it happens for happens for good emotions and yeah, ha- well how we define good emotions anyway <laughs> happiness and any other good emotions that might be out there as well and yeah just kind of waiting for that to pass and and one thing Mm. that I use actually occasionally is a concept called sort of urge or emotion surfing that actually you you sit there with the emotion and just pretend it's a wave kind of feel it building up Ah. catch it surf along with it and then wait for it to dissipate afterwards um, and just kind of jump on for the ride with it so you can almost you can almost kind of enjoy even those tough emotions if you if you think about it like that and that often creates a, a sense of kind of a sense of motivation or a sense of mm. just increases your energy levels a little bit afterwards mm. after you've experienced that to go and do something about it yeah so yeah that's something that I use occasionally I like your strategies around that oh, thanks law and art history that's an interesting <laughs> combo well, what, it's, why? <laughs> it's not quite as strange as law and music, which is what I was That's originally true. doing. Yeah. Yep. I went into uni doing law and psychology to start with because I was like, oh, yeah, psychology mm. will complement it really nicely mm. because I've always had like a real fascination with how people think, how people, why people do things, you know, how people grow and learn. I think it's my real curiosity about human behavior and teaching, coaching, counseling, everything in that field. And so... But realized pretty soon that I didn't like experiments, so I changed <laughs> to law and music. And then I realized actually I don't want to be a music teacher. And then I switched to art history because I guess it's always been in me. I have a real appreciation for beauty and a real mm. appreciation for talent and art. And I think that come it goes back to my real love of nature. And if someone can replicate the incredible beauty that is in nature onto like a canvas or something, I mean that blows me away. And I just have a real appreciation for talent and beauty. That's yeah. okay, as simple cool. as that. Yeah. Um <laughs> what was it about experiments that you didn't like? <laughs> it's ironic now that I experiment with myself and like putting myself through challenges I think it was something about being in a lab something about having to sit there and like measure things and I think I'm a little bit more flexible and fluid than having to be like incredibly scientific and precise like Mm, I like to learn rather than from measuring things than to learn from experience Mm -hmm. and I think that that's why I like to really regulate and I mean like quite regularly push myself to do different kinds of experiences and experiential learning because I learn by doing mm-hmm. and by seeing rather than the measuring of and learning that way okay yeah it makes sense that makes sense <laughs> were you hoping for something a bit more exciting being like I don't yeah. like the frogs no they gave me all these weird experimental drugs and they messed me up for a while <laughs> what <laughs> I didn't know how did you know <laughs> Some of my some of my friends at university went and did some medication trials. Oh my gosh, I had friends who did that, and they'd come back with like spots all over their arms, and they'd have like pinpricks. And I was like, no, that's not for me. Mm, yeah. So at least in New Zealand public, you know, there's a robust testing policy on yes. university students, poor university students, for uh, yeah, all the medications that you may need to take. Seriously, like they'd buy me bottles of wine, but out of the money that they got from the trials, because really? <laughs> they get like five or six dollars really? from the yeah, trials yeah. and not that I'm advocating it yeah. do not treat yourself <laughs> as a human guinea pig I'll just drink these spots away <laughs> Jen what was it about leadership development that fascinated you that's a big question or mm. was it kind of did you have some people that inspired you to get into leadership development I think it was the idea that if you have amazing people leading the way and then it causes a ripple effect of positive change throughout society. So for me, I have a real fascination in what does it mean to cause change? What does it mean to cause a positive impact, like a positive ripple effect? And if 
my work's going to be with leaders and I know that they're going to be influencing and helping other people. So maybe it's my way of thinking, and I haven't really even consciously articulated this before. I think it's, I know the ripple effect that can happen from just one person and then that person talks to another person and that person influences another person. And so if we have amazing leadership of different organizations and charities or social projects, you know, whatever it is, then we've got the greatest change of positive change in society and the world. Change is really inevitable. I mean, mm. they, what, what do they say? The only constants are death and taxes. Yeah. But I think you don't. And cockroaches. You can kind of get away without paying your taxes. But change. Don't advocate yeah, that. Yeah, don't advocate that either. <laughs> don't pay, pay tax on, like your drug tri- yeah, on your drug trial <laughs> money. Make sure you pay that. But change as well mm. is, is a constant. And change, mm. I mean, is happening at an unprecedented rate yep. for the human race at the moment and mm. we're going through massive periods of change and yep. by the looks of things it's only going to get faster yeah. and you talk about positive change there mm. and that's a that's an interesting thing because sometimes it's it's hard to tell if change is going to be positive or if it's going to be negative in the moment that it's not until afterwards we can look at mm. we can look at something like that and kind of gauge hey was that a good thing or was that a bad thing and sometimes it'll depend on who's looking at it as well as Mm. whether it's a good thing or a bad thing but when you're trying to drive positive change how do you ensure that that change is positive I think for me part of it is raising people's self-awareness about Mm -hmm. their own behaviors and where they are at so once people are more aware about you know their own behaviors their own influence on others And if they know that by whether it's like tweaking a few behaviors or it's like saying a few more, as cheesy as it sounds, a few more positive things about themselves, about others, it's, I see it as leadership as a way of being. So we lead by example. So when it comes to positive change, it's you see, you see things and by seeing things then often it inspires other people to want to be that. Does that make sense? So it's like, you know, mm-hmm. be the change you want to see in the world. In terms of, this is a really hard question, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's like it's a topic we're going to talk around rather yeah. than come up with any real concrete answers. Oh, I mean, if I had a concrete answer, I'd like drop it like a rock right <laughs> yeah, now. Like, but I'm just podcast like, done. <laughs> Bye, Chris. How's it going? Positive change. I think for me, it's, I really like that every interaction I have with someone, it leaves them feeling that little bit more optimistic and positive and hopeful about a good day so mm. and are there things in the interaction that you you try and do to, to have like that an, effect yeah being annoyingly positive sometimes <laughs> <laughs> just like Jacinda right relentlessly hey, optimistic sh- relentlessly optimistic there is nothing wrong with it um, oh, I like it I like it I'm not gonna lie one of the guys that just walked past our little podcast cave he's been how do I say this, a, a project of mine for the last few months because the first few months that he came in, he did not smile. I've just been slowly breaking him down with kindness and with smiles and now he beams. I've not seen that person smile and I know that, I know how powerful mm. a smile can be and there's a real power in like the ripple effect of things. So empowering oneself, empowering others, being positive and kind with oneself and then it flows on. It's like that that exponential rate of increase. It's like you don't see the you don't see the exponential increase until you're like right up against it. So it's like a little bit of progress, a little bit of progress, a little bit of progress, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, we are in space. Yeah, and often it, it's hard to see those those changes as they happen as well because mm. we're often kind of right in amongst it that yeah. we're we're seeing things kind of every second or every minute mm. or every day rather than having a look back at kind of snapshots from a, yeah. a slightly greater time distance. So it's hard to see that positive effect sometimes, and it's hard to – sometimes you get disheartened around it. But I, I, I agree with you in terms of creating that positive change, mm. in terms of the, the leading by example yeah. with it as well. I think it's a leading by example and also in terms of positive change if we're going to go to the individual level and mm. then at the individual level it inspires like this ripple effect outward – is there are individual practices that people can do to really acknowledge themselves more because I've got my own coach and he says, you know, if you're going for a massive goal, 
that is bigger for yourself and you're not celebrating the little things along the way. You're not acknowledging yourself for the little bits of progress. You're not acknowledging yourself for the things that are happening on the everyday basis. When you get that massive feat, you're probably not going to be any happier. Mm. So he's got all of us who are part of his group coaching program to acknowledge ourselves every single day. You know, what are you grateful for? What are you acknowledging yourself for today? And really take time out to have more space in the day because when there's more space in the day, whether it's by doing like a mindful pause or it's going for a walk outside or it's calling a friend or it's taking time to do nothing, like for little bits during the day, it increases our capacity, it increases our energy, it increases our ability to be, I guess, better performing humans so we can do the work that we want to be doing and making the change that we want to make. So there are all these little practices and things that we can implement to look at ourselves, reflect, a little bit of self-inquiry, never hurt anyone, and acknowledge ourselves for the positive change that we are making. And I think that that's so important, especially when we're going outside of our comfort zone and thinking, oh my goodness, this is so hard. But it's like, can you acknowledge yourself in that moment for the discomfort that you're putting yourself into? Acknowledging is just so powerful. Yeah, I very much, very much agree with that. And sometimes I do this thing where I kind of look back on the day and I tell myself what I'm proud of myself for. And I think that you can pretty much always find something, even if it is a small something, and just kind of celebrate that, that you went through that, you got through that, you're, mm. you're still here, you're wrapped up nice and snug in bed at that point. And it takes a while to kind of develop that habit and kind of be kind to yourself mm. that way. But it, it's a very worthwhile one in terms of how you view situations and opportunities that mm. present themselves to you, that you, yeah. you look at them as, as opportunities and you're like, how can I engage in this? Like, how can I make myself proud? of myself Mm. going through this year. I think on that, you know, feeling proud of yourself for even doing the little things where you're like, oh, but that's just such a little thing. It's no, acknowledge yourself for it. Mm. That's the same thing as the comparison thing. And I see it so much with social media and everyday life where people look at someone and they put them on a pedestal and they're like, oh my goodness, my life is here, their life is here. That doesn't serve anyone. And one of the quotes I love the most comes from his a bit controversial Jordan Peterson Mm -hmm. I like him I like him him. especially controversial with females but he's got this quote where he says compare yourself to who you were yesterday rather Mm. than someone else's today and I think when people are seeing that oh I want to do this new challenge or I want to try something new or I just want to stretch myself a little bit more and then they look at someone who's doing it amazingly how is that fear on that person? How is that even logical? And I say that from a place of experience where in my first year of work, I was transitioning from studying law into leadership development. And I was the youngest one in my organization by about 15 years, if not more. I'm going to be fair to my colleagues. (laughs) (laughs) They looked very youthful. They looked very youthful. And I compared myself. I was like, you know, why can why can't I do this as good as my colleague? And, you know, I felt like really inferior and stuff and I was struggling with perfectionism. And I realized after a while, oh my goodness, I'm just like beating up on myself like constantly. And I had to really work through that and just notice those tendencies. And I see it that it's even worse now with social media. Mm. And, And I have so many people and clients and friends who are like, you're doing this thing. I wish I was doing that thing. And I'm like, just start where you are. It's going to be uncomfortable, but you've got to start somewhere. Yeah. And I think with with that, it it is really challenging when you're looking at people who are doing amazingly well with what they were doing, but they've been doing that for five or 10 years and they've put in the base work or they've they've kind of come from a background where it's sped their transition up into Mm. it a little bit and kind of rather than comparing yourself comparing you to where they are now like it's still not a fair comparison but a fairer comparison is Mm. to look at what they were like when they first started doing what they were Mm. doing as well because chances are they probably sucked at it a little bit too yeah (laughs) maybe not sucked real hard but it was it was probably challenging for them as well so that's that's a that's a nice thing but I think the the nicer one is yeah it's kind of something that I the way that I think about it is that Mm. life is a competition but it's only a competition with yourself I like that it's about kind of getting better than 
the you from yesterday or the you from last week exactly. rather than getting better than the dude down the road. Why would you want to compare with the dude down the road if the dude down the road has all the time in the world, has had a trust fund, doesn't need to worry about money and can go and do that thing every single day? I mean, that's just illogical in my point of view. So I love that. Mm. Like treating life as a competition, healthy competition. Yeah. Well, it's a, maybe it's yeah. a game. A game, <laughs> a game. rather than a... <laughs> good, good. All right. I like it. Jen, I want to jump into some of the stuff that you were doing at the moment because it's uncomfortable. Oh, fully. For you. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to, I mean... You mentioned that you you came back, you mm. you turned into Elizabeth Gilbert, and you arrived back in New Zealand. You were like, yes. "All right, I know what I want to do now." What did you want to do? Yeah. Oh my gosh! I honestly think that whole forty days of facing fear thing, where I continuously did something every day, where I was just like, "This is so uncomfortable and new, or I'm scared." It gave me that momentum and that confidence in myself and my abilities, where I was like. When I came back to New Zealand and I was like, okay, so, you know, I want to be helping people with stress and with getting through challenging things, with coaching, counselling, facilitating. I wanted to be doing, you know, everything in the space of people development because without really consciously realising it until I'd had time to step back and go away, I was like, I've been doing this since I've been in primary school. Like when my brother was really unwell, I was looking after my younger brother. I was counselling friends. I was counselling family members. I've... My mum taught me mindfulness and some yoga essentially since I was like a way shorter, like half the size that I am now, (laughs) you know. So I came back and I had this big realisation that if I want to do this, I'm really going to have to commit to it and I'm really going to have to put the work in and I'm really going to have to consistently go outside my comfort zone and even just walking up the stairs of the biz dojo for the first time I felt so nervous because I was like oh my goodness you know I've looked up to so many people in this space for so long people who have started their own ventures who are real creatives who have their own businesses like inspiring stories I looked at it from a distance and was like that's incredible summer of tech I was like you know these people have created something out of nothing and I looked up to that and thought is this the kind of world that I'm going into? And I realized within, I think, a month, if not sooner, we're all people. Mm, you know, We all sucked at the start. <laughs> we all sucked at the start. And yeah. it's uncomfortable. And, I mean, I think I'm about 10 months into doing this um, full or part-time throughout the last 10 months or so. And there have been times where it's been so uncomfortable. And even last week, I had... I really had a fear wall because I'd had this vision in my mind for ages where I thought there are so many people that are amazing, caring, compassionate souls and they give so much to helping others. But where is the support for them? You know, what would happen if I got a group of them together in a room, gave them the tools that they needed to Mm. keep things in balance, manage stress, how to collaborate with each other, how to ask for what they need you know, stuff with confidence, stuff with presenting, pitching, whatever it is. And I was just like, oh, I want to do this. And I (laughs) even gave it a name, the Compassionate Changemakers Collective or Compassionate Changemakers Circle, whatever it is. And (laughs) (laughs) whatever it is. And I'd literally booked the rooms about a a week and a half beforehand. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then with about five days to go, I put it out there. Like I filmed a video, put it out across all my different networks. And I was like, I'm doing this thing. And it was a question that my coach asked me. He was saying, do you empower yourself or do you empower the fear? And I really had to think about it because I'd realized my comfort zone had been stretched so much that it was, you know, a totally different view. But when it came to saying, I want to be doing this thing, I'm creating this brand new thing out of nothing, I have no idea if it's going to work, might get rejection, might get X number of people, might get zero people, that was like a new comfort zone stretch. And mm. I put it out there. And I got like two people sign up and interest, interested within 24 hours. And I think it was even just that affirmation that there are people that are interested in this. And I really put myself out there. And I'm not going to lie, like, the vulnerability hangover that maybe minutes after posting it, I was just like, I did that, I did that thing. And sometimes I have to come back to what I know that is when I 
put myself out there and I say, hey, I have this dream or I have this vision or hey, I'm doing this thing that's outside my comfort zone, it gives other people the permission to do the thing themselves. So it gives other people the confidence or the affirmation that, hey, if she can do it, then I can do it too. And I've just had to sit with that realization ever since I started 40 Days of Facing Fear since March last year that I'm now not doing this just for myself. It's that realization that it's never been about just doing this for my own personal growth. It's turned into something much bigger than me where there are people that contact me and they're saying, you know, you keep giving me confidence to do the thing that I actually really want to do or you inspired me to have that conversation that I really wanted to have or I'm applying for this thing because like Outward Bound or the Rotary Youth Leadership Awards program because you did it and because you did it, then it means that I can. I think that that's a healthy kind of comparison and encouragement rather than Mm. saying, you know, that person's at this level. Why can't I be there? It's like, no, healthy comparison. See the person's model, you know, use modeling, see them there. So with where I'm at at the moment, I've launched the Compassionate Change Rags Collective and we'll be restarting that in a few weeks, maybe a month when I've got the books, when I've got the <laughs> rooms rebooked. So I've learned this interest out there. There wasn't quite enough to do the first thing and that's okay. I've had to, you know, relook at that and think, there's definitely interest out there. Mm. Five days is not quite enough it's notice. quick turnaround, eh? Uh, quite a quick turnaround. But I think it was really heartening, you know, that people were interested in it and were like, yeah, want to get involved, want to help out, let's do this. And I was like, so yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. I'm having to organize the Rotary Youth Leadership Awards program. So that'll be happening in January. And anyone between the ages of 18 to 25 can apply for that. Don't have to be attached to Rotary. It's sponsored through the clubs, which is it's an amazing opportunity. I help out Summer of Tech every so often with some of their weekend hackathon events or design days. I've got a coaching client program that I'm working through and working with a number of people with, doing a little bit of workplace wellness, so teaching mindfulness. I'm sure there's more stuff I'm doing, but I've forgotten. I feel like I do like a whole lot of stuff. Fingers in a lot of pies. Fingers in a lot of pies. Oh, and podcasts every so often. That's Mm, fun. mm -hmm. (laughs) It is. It's good. (laughs) All about helping the people. Yeah, it sounds like your schedule is kept reasonably full with a lot of new experiences that are pushing you. Oh, I forgot about that. Thanks for that. Yeah, and I'm speaking at three different conferences and summits coming up. So there's a woman supporting woman coming up end of October where it is in the same month as at the 125th anniversary of the women's suffrage movement. So the first 125 tickets are free for women and their daughters over 12 years old. So I'm super excited about that. There's four of us um, coaches, speakers, all that kind of thing who are speaking at it and we've collaborated together because... We want to support women and do as much as we can. I'm helping out and speaking at the More Than Rubies conference, also in October, all about fear. So the same thing about facing fear and, you know, what that means, the nature of it, how to move past it or move through it and what that looks like. And we'll be speaking at a Women Leadership Summit in December. So that's, yeah, feeling really humbling. Yeah, yeah, that is very cool. Thanks. Shiffy, founder of More Than Rubies, was actually, I think she was the fifth or the sixth podcast that I put out. So, yeah, a hundred odd ago. Yeah, yeah, she's she's awesome. Yeah, and she's come a long way since we caught up about two years ago. Wow. And this podcast, I imagine, as well, will have come a long Mm -hmm. way as well. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I think uh, the the conversation that I had with Shiffy was probably didn't flow quite. As nicely as this one did. I, I've got a little bit better hey. in the last two years, hopefully. This no, has been a great conversation. Yeah, yeah, not, no, no, through no fault of Shiffy's. Just average question asking, I think. <laughs> Jen, I've got some questions that I like to ask everyone towards the end of the conversation. Do and it. I'm sure that people can need to come into, the, into this cave soon. But what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how did you get through it? Oh, okay. So this morning, actually. So I have... Over the last few weeks to really wake myself up first thing in the morning, I've started implementing cold showers into my routine. It's not the most comfortable. How do you do your cold shower? Like, is it cold the whole way through? Okay, so because I like to balance, like, the challenge with the compassion, (laughs) I I start out with the hot. So I do have the warmth first thing, but then that last minute... 
I am deep breathing throughout mm. the cold and it just wakes me up like even better than a cup of coffee. Mm. So that's the most yeah. recent uncomfortable yeah. thing. Yeah, good. It changes your state, <laughs> definitely. What's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do and why is that uncomfortable for you? Mm. So the next uncomfortable thing will be, if not something sooner, speaking at the Women Supporting Women at the end of the end of October. So I have been speaking at Toastmasters since November last year. I've um, facilitated the pop-up business school, so co-facilitating. But this is the first time that I will be speaking to a room larger than 30 people with material of my own. So I feel quite comfortable speaking about material or content that has been designed before and that I've heard, you know, there's that bit of safety there. But this Mm. will be outside my comfort zone. It'll be something that I'm creating and that I'm going to be speaking from the heart about. So I'm going to be talking all about intentional social media and technology usage. So using technology, not letting it use you and all about comparison and reframing and, you know, is what you see on there real and about everything in that area. So that's going to be a bit uncomfortable, but I'm Mm. also excited. It sounds amazing. Thank you. Sounds like almost another podcast conversation on that stuff. (laughs) We may have to tee that up. Hey, let's do it. We've talked through some of this already, but are there any other strategies that you use to approach uncomfortable situations? Yes. Simple answer. So. (laughs) What are they? (laughs) Tell me more. Yeah. So I really like to see where I'm at. Like if I'm facing something uncomfortable is... I remind myself of the things that I've done in the past that I'm really proud of myself for, or mm. I remind me of, I remind myself of when I have done something in the past that was uncomfortable and I've gotten through it. So I think that knowledge of, like, for example, like Outward Bound doing how many days of sailing and kayaking, and then on the second to last day running a half marathon on about three hours sleep, thanks to a massive thunderstorm that woke us all up got us out of the camps and we had to go and shiver in the rain and then go back to bed after a while. I think when I go into a situation now where I'm speaking in front of people or I am creating something new or I'm going even into um, like a fancy pants networking event where I'm like, oh, I don't know anyone or maybe I won't. And then I think, actually, honey, you've done so many things before. You've got through so many other things remember that Mm. and then I think that gives me strength and it reminds me it gives me courage I think and it reminds me you know I've got through harder stuff before Mm. yeah that's a that's a cool strategy thanks two more quick questions for you Jen but I just want to say thank you so much for spending some time with me it's been amazing but also thank you as well for the positive changes that you're intentionally (laughs) Making them on purpose (laughs) in society. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's very cool. Thank you. First question for you is quite should be quite easy. If people people want to find out more about you, if they want to support you, if they want to follow along, where's the best place that they can do that? Sure. So I'm pretty active on social media intentionally. All about the positive social media usage. So you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn as well. I am Jen Y Insights, so J-E-N-Y Insights. And the Gen Y is a play on the fact that my name is Jennifer Young and it also boils down to sounding like Gen Y, Generation Y, I'm a millennial. So it's a play mm. on that. And I do a lot of work with 18 to 35-year-olds, which are typically millennials. My own website, www.genyinsights.com. I've just realized, does anyone say www. anymore? No. No. Okay. Genyinsights.com. <laughs> you, think, you think that you're down <laughs> with the millennials. I am so <laughs> down. I'm so hip and so yeah. cool. All right. <laughs> Sorry to make you right uncomfortable at the end there, Jen. Um, do you have a challenge to leave us with this week? Good question. I challenge the listeners and you that if there is something that you know you want to be doing, and you're facing some resistance or procrastination or hearing old stories about not being able to do this or this being unfamiliar or just not feeling ready to do it yet, really do a little bit of self-inquiry and think, am I going to empower the fear or am I going to empower myself? That is an awesome challenge. Thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today. Hey, so welcome.
Hey, it's been fun. Thanks, Chris. There you have it, team. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I had a lot of fun having a chat with Jen. She is super positive and she's also definitely a laugh. Now... As I said at the start, this episode is brought to you by Uncomfortable Media and the Surmount course. If you're in Wellington, you want to learn how to strategically get out of your comfort zone so that you can take on any challenge with the practical skills that you need to overcome or navigate around obstacles. Now, one thing that I forgot to say at the start is that I'm partnering with the guys at Floatwell with this as well so as well as getting your ticket to the workshop you'll also get two floats down at Floatwell and if you haven't floated before it's pretty epic I did an episode a couple of weeks ago uh, called Float Lessons all about some of the stuff that I get out of floating so go back and have a listen to that it's about 15 minutes long and it'll give you a bit of an insight into to my experiences floating But if that's something that interests you, head over to surmountcourse.com, that's S-U-R-M-O-U-N-T course.com, and grab your tickets there. If this episode hit a note with you, then I'd love it if you left a comment, if you left a like, or if you shared it out with your mates actually, so that they could get something out of it as well. While you're on your podcast app, then hit subscribe as well so you get more of these conversations coming at you i've got some pretty awesome ones coming up in the next few weeks we've got erin from the stolen stylist we've got carl hammington from health fit and we've got an amazing habits guru and james clear coming up in a few weeks time and yeah i'm buzzing about the conversations that you will get to hear on the next few weeks so hit subscribe share it out and get your ticket for the Surmount Workshop if you're in Wellington. But thank you guys for getting uncomfortable with me today. 